It's a Daily Talk Show, episode 281. This is a new segment. Well, just a new thing we're doing. It's a whole show benchmark. Yeah, old mate. Yeah. Old mate, Naysan. I like that. Thank Naysan you. Naysan Naraki. Appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Uh, so we, we say Hello. old mate uh, based on you are a friend of mine and uh, you've been a friend for a number of years. We go back. We go back. Mm. You, you two, what I like is you've travelled together quite extensively, which I think explores a friendship parameters like no other and You're ways st- that remain in <laughs> certain countries i just want to check if because I, ha- I haven't met i've met chris i've met your brothers who the fuck's chris you, chris nichols, um, nichols obviously yeah, yeah. not, so a, met not like an a, old a few mate, not jo- an old I've, mate. <laughs> I've met a few of josh's friends but i mean like pretty fortunate your brothers my, aren't old mates are they hmm? they're, they're not old mates i don't talk but to more just like me. people that know josh on a personal level because i've got like a bunch of schoolmates that i grew up with that work in this building where we are. Oh, wow. This morning we bumped into a guy named John Safran. Yeah, love him. Yeah, he's a... Big fan. Australian uh, Fizzy Water media sorry. personality and writer, documentarian. If you don't know him, look him up. But he said in mid-conversation, Josh was, you know, we were conversing with John and John was sort of telling a story and then Josh took it off down a rabbit hole that was basically taking something that John said that had nothing to do with where he was going. He was talking about, what was it called? Uh, Stonemasons. Stonemasons. And, and I was so like, oh, stonemasons. I started asking him questions about stonemasons and he said in that moment... <laughs> You've clicked on a hyperlink, <laughs> which I find is something Josh does. Have you noticed this? Where yes, it's like yes. you are talking about something but he'll take it off on a yeah. real tangent. Is this something yeah. you've experienced, yeah. the hyperlink? Yeah, and the other person just remained silent listening to Josh <laughs> for half an hour. And then it's like, are you finished? Can I have the mic back, please? It's also why we love him. So you, you've experienced hyperlink. Yes, hyperlink. Yeah, so Nason, I love it. Uh, we travelled extensively. We went to something like 27 locations around the world. Mm-hmm. In Was it every single continent? No, we didn't go to Antarctica. Okay. We, we um, <laughs> you, you stayed in the same room. Did he ever yes, make you did. go to sleep listening to an e-book that he audio had downloaded? Audio book? Every night. Yeah. Really? Every night, yeah. That's, a <laughs> yeah, every that's night. so funny. <clears throat> Josh did it when we stayed in a room once. Mm. Yeah, it's no, good. Twice. Sort of, yeah. It was yeah. twice thing, that it we happened. We discovered a lot during that trip. I, I feel like I'm responsible for Josh learning that you don't wear anything other than cotton socks. Mm. Because I was pain. It's like wearing plastic bags on your feet with if rubber you, bands. If you don't wear, if you don't, yeah. What were you it was wearing? Painful. Uh, well, before we, we were going away for three months, so I thought I'm going to stock up on socks. I found these cheap socks, and it mm. turns out all of them were like synthetic. Oh yeah. And so yeah. it was. They, and in Europe, a lot don't. of the windows don't open in hotel rooms. Yeah, it, it was painful. Let oh me tell no. you. You're like we'd come in the morning sometimes, and we'd see, oh, the room hasn't been made. Well. Yeah, because the poor woman or man <laughs> trying to come in was like, oh, my God, like, oh I can't no. handle this room right now. Uh, Nissan has sleep apnea. I do. Yeah. Uh, I have it walking up the steps. <laughs> yeah. well, you, <laughs> you can hear me heavy breathing all the time. So what is sleep apnea? I don't know. Can you describe it? Basically, you, um, you, your uh, wind passages get blocked mm. in the middle of the night um, while you're sleeping, and you can't tell, but you're basically suffocating. It's as if you're drowning. Um, I think... When I went to the doctors and did the sleep test, they said it's like, the guy was like, can you hold your breath for 70 seconds? I was like, no. He's like, well, that's what you've been doing on Really? <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous. Is like it because you, I, I literally just thought there was a weird segue that Josh had made to 
saying that you had sleep happening. But now I get it. You were in the it's same bad. room together, yeah. so you were experiencing. Yeah. But he never checked if I was alive or not. <laughs> I don't remember him ever <laughs> budging me. Are you okay, Nace? No. no <laughs> He's I'm listening never. to an audio. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but you, um, no, because you're very noisy when you sleep. Yeah. It's like, it's not just snoring. There's like a symphony orchestra going on. All different things. It's like I, sometimes I play the flute, sometimes a <laughs> saxophone, sometimes it's a entire, you know. But is it because you, you've... Uh, as long as you don't play the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, is it getting... Does it get worse based on your weight? Um, there are... Uh, that does relate in some instances, but mm-hmm. I was happy to find out when I went to the specialist because I was like, yeah, I know. Like after he told me the news, I was like, yeah, I know. I really got to lose weight. And he's like, no, 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 no. What you've got is not weight related. Uh, it's always classic Nason. It's never weight related for Nason. <laughs> no, right. pro- he has trouble going up the stairs. I'm like, maybe it's a weight. It's like, it's actually it's not. not the weight. It's not the sleep weight. Yeah. So yeah. Are, you, are you scared going to sleep? No. I just don't sleep very much because you suffocate. So I just end up spending... Like I get frustrated because I'm like drowning all the time. So I'm just like, might as well just get up and do some work. Well, you had a whole like uh, piece. I have a I have a sleep apnea ma- mask, um, which I can't keep on my face because it's a big mask pushing oxygen into your uh, nose. And then if you like turn a little bit and I move quite a lot, I move to the side and it's like oh, geez. in my eyeball and stuff. And then I got the, this mouth guard made by our dear friend Nima. Yeah. Uh, what's name is what's so Nima is Christian Hull's dentist. Yes. Interesting. Nima, yep. Ferdosi here lives here in Melbourne. Awesome guy. And he got this mouth guard made for me that's supposed to bring my jaw forward to help with the breathing. And I wear it, but the thing is I don't I'm a sing I'm alone. So I don't know if it's working or not. I've never had anyone I'm not traveling with Josh, so I wouldn't know if I'm breathing funny or not. So, Josh, we have to do another trip. You should get the um, one of those apps where you can record yourself. Yeah, that's true. Because I think Mr. Seven. Did you uh, did you have a you had a mate, didn't you? That was did he record him? He discovered that he was walking around at night. How did he find that out? Oh yeah, my best mate. He um he he gets up to all these things during the night while he's he's asleep he's he accidentally texts someone the other day yeah. but um he accidentally like walked outside and he caught it on one of his like night nest cameras sort of thing freaky yeah, yeah. what was he doing he, he didn't even just, know he walked he walked out and he walked back inside Oh, that no, was no recollection. You need to keep that recording. Have you seen Paranormal Activity? That's <laughs> I haven't. Weird unit. So you can get this app that basically activates the recording as soon as it hears anything. I caught some weird shit, me saying yeah, some weird shit. Yeah. I will do that. Got a bit aggressive in some. Right, <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Just <laughs> fuck the I teachers. <laughs> I wanted the noodles, not the rice. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of uh, Nissan and my discussions have been around food. Like when we travel. Yes. Food is a big thing. Yes. In Persian, we say yeah. shikamu, which means you're of the stomach. You love eating. Shikamu. I thought shikamu. it translated as shit talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. We can't talk because we're eating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, Nissan is obsessed with. Um, uh, cereal. Your cereal. Kids what? cereal that you can get in the US that should be banned. Oh, I like it. Because um, there's more nutritional value in the cardboard box than there is in the actual <laughs> content. But I've banned myself. It's been a year. I've. I ha- you know I, I like to say I've gone uh, cold turkey and I I found I knew it was bad when I was visiting the U.S. and I went ran in to get something that <laughs> had like Panadol or something and I found myself in the cereal aisle like getting five boxes and I was like 
what did I come here for again? And I was like, I have a problem. What was your favorite? Because what's Lucky Charms? What's Lucky the one Charms with, um, is good. Lucky Marshmallow. That's there's a lot like, of them, but Lucky Charms is one of the popular ones. If you're really into cereal, you don't have a favorite. I like I yeah, get true. Twenty boxes at a time. Yeah. Junkies just have yeah, whatever. Junkie, like, take whatever. <laughs> what's your, you, your accent? It's, it sounds American. I'm American, uh, Persian American. I, I was uh, born in Chicago. But uh, I was raised in Papua New Guinea in the Pacific Islands. Wow. My parents moved there when I was a child and I was there till I was 18. So you got that international school twang. I went to the international school. Yeah, I was the Why only American. Why did kids always come out American, sounding time. American? No, 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 no. My, I was the only one with an American accent. It wasn't a, because a lot of international schools in different parts of the world are run by Americans okay. or an American curriculum, but ours wasn't. Ours was very international. So interesting. Everybody it's had a different accent. Like if you're a Sri Lankan, you had a Sri Lankan accent. If you're a Ghanaian, you had a Ghanaian accent. Yeah, very, wow. Yeah. You um you were telling me that you reckon Australians have more ingrown toenails <laughs> than per any capita. Other. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen so many ingrown toenails. I've never seen it in Papua New Guinea. Firstly, why have you seen them? Oh, my dad was a doctor and I've done a lot of uh, medical work. Okay. And in Papua New Guinea, the only ingrown toenails I would see were from Aussie expat kids. So, What do you reckon? Why? <laughs> we're just a bunch of gronks that come cut out. I don't know. You, It's weird because Australians don't always wear shoes. Like they yeah. walk around in flip-flops. So at first I thought maybe it's the plastic bag sock syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't that is a weird thing. We were talking. Uh, there was, we had um, toenail chat yesterday at, at my parents' place, yeah. and my brother has these tiny little big toenails because he had both sides cut. Yeah, uh, yeah. sounds and familiar. Yeah, yeah. Well, they mine doesn't cut even them grow all now. the way down. But then what I what I got told was they then stick this like. Um, liquid in mm. and it stops, stops the nail from yeah. growing. They didn't do that bit on mine. That's why every fucking three months I have to pull out. Uh, it's disgusting. I've witnessed that operation oh, many times. Gee. It's actually. Is, I just. Is I just want a TV show of you guys traveling. Non-stop yeah. banter about food, toenails. <laughs> we had fun though. Actually, sleeping. we had never met before we went. Like it's Bullshit. not like we we're buddies mm. and we traveled. Mm. We were kind of. I had this idea and I was talking to Collis about it a while ago, like years ago. Collis is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Envato, the company we work for. And yeah. then at the time, and then I was in the US for a while. I'd been traveling for a while. And then I come back, the day I come back, I go into the office and Collis is like, come into the office, let's talk. And he was like, have you met Josh yet? I was like, no. And he's like, we have this new staff member named Josh. I think you guys would really get along. He came to me with this idea. Remember how you wanted to travel and do this thing? About, you know, I was like, yeah. He's like, you need to talk to Josh. So then we immediately met up, talked. How many weeks later, we're yeah, on a plane it was only a few around weeks, the world. Yeah. Like, and, and how yeah. far into the trip did you want to finish the trip? <laughs> I think it was the first 45 minutes. <laughs> no, actually, we really, we really clicked. And in some ways, it was cool that we didn't get to know each other because... Uh, we didn't know each other before yeah. because we're getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. Like every story wasn't new. It wasn't yeah. like I've heard the story again, except for my divorce story. Yeah. Which Josh wanted yeah. to so, strangle me by the end. Well, so Nissan had, had uh, the reason that he was in the States before he came back and found out about the trip was like a divorce tour. So because he, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, because he, uh, I was quite depressed. It was depressed, so he, um, yeah, you have to make sad. it so dark. But he, uh, he trapped in the lights for effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but no, he, uh, he traveled. You, how long did you travel? Six months before. Before I saw, it was like a year. A year. Yeah. So you had a divorce, and so then you were just like going from mate to mate's place. It was weird. I was really sad about the divorce, and then I 
I realized that I needed to be around like people that knew me before I was married mm. because everybody that I started meeting friends that I hadn't seen since I'd been married and divorced. And they were like, you're not the same. Like, Nason, you're, you're like, you used to, because I was like the joker and everything. And they're like, God, you're just so down now. And are you okay? And so I was like, no, I got divorced. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> I'd storm up. If it was a taxi driver, it didn't matter who it <laughs> was. I'd talk about my it life. Talk, talk them, about the yeah. divorce. It's, a, it's quite a big thing. Yeah. It is a big thing. It was a yeah. good story though too. It was good. It was good for the first like week. And then after that, I remember walking down the street in Macedonia or somewhere with Josh and he was like, Nice, like you got to stop talking about the divorce. It's yeah. killing me. Like, let's talk about something else. She said she was going to um, go overseas and. No, let's not. Yeah, okay. let's not get Just for her sake. that bit or no? She went overseas to study and never came back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a pretty crazy story. There's something about traveling that you form quite a close bond. It's like there's something yeah, about the sort of you're you're open, especially to meeting people. I I definitely have been. But I've, the people I've travelled with, I've become close with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we were lucky. We hit it off straight away. Mm. And we had a lot of things that complemented each other, like strengths. Um, and I, I think I have to say, in the spirit of positive, you know, giving positive uh, oh, energy to each other. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday's show. I mean, I think, like, I was impressed. Josh was extremely young when we travelled. He hadn't travelled that much, mm. but he really wanted to travel. And I didn't realize because John is really fun and outgoing. Did you say John? Did you Sorry, call me John? I keep calling you John. Sorry, Josh. What the, what the fuck? <laughs> it's He's a paid actor. Apnea. He's never <laughs> met Josh. It's the a, oxygen, oxygen. Nason is a paid actor. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm not the real yeah. Nason. Are you yeah. okay? No. Yeah, so I tell me more about John. I've been John. doing that a lot lately, and it's a lack of sleep. Sorry, John. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so Josh yeah. was basically like. I didn't realize because Josh is super like fun and outgoing and we're goofing around from the beginning. But then like I realized he would get anxious like we're going to meet someone that we're supposed to. So we're doing this series of uh, little videos that were about uh, different people that worked for Envato or Mm -hmm. were selling their like website templates on Envato. And there's a series of these and we're literally traveling like... Back to back, we're like in a country for four days, next country or next city, bang, bang, bang. We were just filming, filming, filming. And it was quite intense, sleeping whenever we got a chance. And, you know, you have to hit the ground with enthusiasm because we're representing the company and also we're excited to meet them. And that, you know, they were excited to meet someone from Envato. And I had 30 Envato t shirts. Yeah, we, that bag. was our uniform because we didn't have time to do washing. So every day we're just like, new shirt, new shirt, new shirt. Right on. Um, it was good. And so basically I remember thinking like, yeah, Josh is so social and everything. This is great. But once we had, we had just met someone and then we go back to the hotel and Josh is like sitting on the edge of the bed, rocking a little bit, like in deep thought. And I'm like, what's time he's like, mate, I can't do the Aussie accent. I'm sorry. But he's like, how do you like, so if we meet them in the morning, are we going to do a handshake or a hug? You went in for both. You confused me. And he starts getting all like, you know, handshake or hug. I don't know which one. He starts panicking a little bit. I'm like, oh, and so we did this little impromptu, like, like, okay, let's practice. So if I come and I'm just like, go with the flow. I don't know. Like, it's not like I'm planning handshake, you know, like I'm just like, what did we, we do? Just read I, body language. I, I think we hugged. You did we like hugged. a, it was hand, a hand, hand and a hug. Yeah, yeah. bring it in, bring yeah. it in. There's, um, I, I've always said there's like a bunch of podcast uh, duos and, I've, and I reckon that 
for any good podcast duo, one of them has to be that guy that over internalizes the handshake on the bag. And yeah, or John Safran. You went for uh, the uh, sort of yeah homeboy. What's up, homeboy? Did you do the whole like? Well, well, yeah, Tommy sort of <laughs> forced it upon John. Yeah, yeah. Was I he, mean, all, was he, he like, don't like touch that. me? He went in like that and so I just went under and oh, yeah. got, it, got it to a point. <laughs> but I just don't – I was even thinking about in uh, Pakistan how we yeah. uh, met uh, older ladies and stuff. I feel like I hugged or something. I feel like whatever I did was not culturally appropriate. Do you remember? I, yeah, I feel I remember. like a, maybe one time she, one was holding my head. Yeah. I don't know if that was to keep me back. <laughs> what is that? What is that? It was a sign of endearment. I think. Yeah. She what? Was, just grab yeah. your head. Josh your head? was a celebrity when we were in Pakistan. Like Why, we got on the air. Tall, white we got guy. on. The, yeah, we got on the airline. I look Pakistani. Like when I'm in a in a meeting or something, and somebody's Pakistani, they always talk to me in Urdu and stuff. I'm like, I'm not Pakistani. You know, you're not. Like no. We get on the plane. Can you air. speak it? Or you just can't? no, no, no. I okay. speak Persian, okay. but not, which Urdu is comes from Persian. Okay. But anyway, um, I thought we you get on this. Couldn't be fact speaking Pakistani. No, 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 no like. I can't. I'm not Pakistani. Okay, <laughs> no. Go, no, got so, it, got it. So we get on. We get on this plate. I remember Air Pakistan from Malaysia, mm. and like dodgiest fucking dodgiest flight. Like halfway through, that's another story. But anyway, we're getting you know, and the guy at the front is kind of like welcome. Welcome. But it was in their language, obviously. Like, no, no, he was saying it in English. No, no, no. It was, or, yeah, he was saying, yeah, in Urdu. But he wasn't really, like, enthusiastic. And then I was in front of Josh, so I come and he's like, welcome. And then he sees Josh, welcome, sir. You he, know, like, he, total. He took me to my like, seat. Took him to his seat and stuff like that. I was know? the only he's, white guy on the whole he flight. He was the only white guy on the flight. So what is it? What's the novelty? I'm fucking white. He's white and tall. We had people. What are they do we're for? filming in the streets and stuff. And we had women bringing their children to take photos with Josh. We have evidence. You what can, is that? You can put it on the, if you guys have like information below the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Show notes. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it um, was cool. Josh, I think it's come from uh, your friendship with Nasan. The, uh, the long when, story. When you meet somebody and it's Taroff, what's it called? Oh, Taroff. Can you tell us about this? That is an awesome word. Okay, this is actually a lot of cultures do this. This mm. is not just a Persian. We, no, we noticed our um, uh, Turkish friend yeah. doing it the other day. Well, we, yeah. got, we got free water from it, nice, water bottles. Nice. And he walked <laughs> off and he was like, God, yeah, exactly. why did I do that? <laughs> no, so Taroff and a lot of cultures have this again, like all over the world where it's kind of like, it's a sense of like uh, courtesy and being polite. But let's say you come to my home and I'm with the Persian, we're a Persian family. We would bring you tea and say, please have some tea. And you're like, no, no, I'm fine. No, no, we insist, have some tea. No, no, really, I'm fine. No, you must have some tea, we insist. No, no, really, I'm fine. Whether you really want it or not is irrelevant. That interaction of you know, saying, please have some tea and also not taking it straight away is called taught off. Okay. Right. So it's a it's great, hard to get. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in, it's, and so like it's, it can backfire too in certain cultures and, you know, like in, in Australia, I think like if you want it, you'll say yes. Mm. And if you don't, and my grandparents on my mom's side moved uh, when they left uh, to the U S 
they landed and their neighbors came by and were like, welcome and stuff, come over for dinner tonight. So my grandparents got, you know, dressed and my mom, my grandma in her best jewelry, my grandfather, three-piece suit. They go next door and the family's already eating in their shorts and T-shirts. and like, come and join us, you know? And they're like, no, no, really, we're not hungry. They were starving, right? They had not eaten all day. They're starving. They're like, okay, well, just like sit down and, you know, until we finish and they were just sitting there very politely (laughs) stomach growling and stuff this family eating trying to talk to them they didn't really speak English and when they left they're like how rude you know kind of take it in a sense I mean now of course they're like I get it they get the leather jacket story leather jacket yes a friend of mine offered someone a leather jacket like he was like oh I love your jacket it's like it's yours it's yours take it really and he took it (laughs) and it was an expensive leather jacket so where's this come from because did they not establish the flaws within this, uh, you know? No, because it works if everyone taught offs. Okay. It's when people don't taught off. So in a culture where everyone does that, yeah. it's just the etiquette. You know, like, if you're dying of thirst and you come over and it's like, oh, it's hot outside, please have some water. Yeah. No, no, really, I'm fine. No, I insist, have some water, it's hot. No, no, really, it's fine. Have some water. Okay, thank you, because it's from your hands. You know, it's, like yeah. the language, Persian language is also extremely flowery and just like full of, you know, encouragement. And some of the words when you translate them directly or the sayings are very quite graphic, you know, like may my life be a sacrifice. You know, thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much. May my life be a sacrifice. Yeah, just wanted to fucking you know? Diet Coke, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, th- I could imagine that would be hell for you, Josh. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're anxious about a handshake or a hug, and it's then, like and then who's, who says who's going to stop, stop this tariff? Who wins it? Well, this is why like <laughs> me, I just pay for everything when it comes to going out. Because, but when with <laughs> Nissan, it's a constant uh, we'll both have our cards out and we're fighting for the, for the yeah, bill. That's a typical Persian uh, who pays the bill. But so who actually wants to pay the bill? Probably you nobody. Have <laughs> 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 you have no, to be, that's, your whole yeah. thing is like part of the tar off thing is you got to be happy with the Yeah, you got to be sincere. And, you know, the idea is also that things always come back full circles. Like so you pay for the dinner this time and next time they'll pay for the dinner. Mm, yeah. and things always yeah. come We've all come got around. that one, mate, though. That you pay yeah, for the dinner. There's always every the dude. Oh, time. I left my wallet. Yeah, yeah. right. Every and time. Is this a religious thing or a no? No, purely cultural. Culture. Yeah. So, what's the difference between Persian culture and Iranian culture? So, Iran. So, Persia was an empire. Nowadays, when they say Persia, it means the nation of Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much the same thing. Iran is made up of a lot of different cultures. I mean, there's a lot of Turkish influence as well. A lot of Persians. Um, maybe don't like to hear that or do like, I don't know, but there's a huge, I think it's something like 45% of Iranians are of Turkish descent as well. Mm. There's Afghanis as well, but Persian culture is more kind of like the culture of Iran and it's a term they use for the language. Although now in Persian, for example, we say Farsi as the the word for the language, but now in places like Los Angeles and other places where there's a large Persian population, you'll mm. see signs saying Farsi. Technically, it's incorrect. It's like writing Espanol when it should be. Like when you speak English, you don't see say, do you speak Espanol? You say, do you speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. You don't say, so do Farsi speak- is the Span- uh, is the Persian way of saying Persian. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, and so uh, in, in that area of the world, there's most of the countries are Arab in descent, like, or ethnically they're Arab. So, like, you might be from Iraq, but you're an Arab. Mm. Um, you're are you from an Arab? Iran. No, I'm a Persian. 
So it's and it's a sore spot for a lot of Persians. There's this desire to kind of differentiate, and it is quite different. It's uh, there's obviously similarities in religion and other things um, that because of trade and religious. Um, the, like certain religions spreading, there's certain similarities, but then there's also uh, stark differences. And Persians really, you know, make sure they differentiate themselves. And not necessarily only, like, it's not a prejudice thing, but it's like, it's something different. It's like, it's not like saying, you know, oh, you're Japanese? Do you guys speak Chinese? It's like, no, it's a different language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I asked him if it was Arab. I know that very well that he's yeah. not, he's but not he, he, he'll... You raise your voice sometimes. No, talking, yeah. Yeah. So. The, it's like when I had to call my Italian mate, no, my Greek. Sicilian mate, Greek. Oh, no, yeah. Italian mate, Greek. Yeah, no, you're yeah, Greek, yeah, eh? yeah. It's he different, gets, uh, different language. You know, all cultures have overlap. Though, yeah, so. Yeah. And so why do you call yourself Persian and not Iranian? Because I've never been to Iran and Iran is the nation and I don't have an Iranian passport, but Persian is my ethnicity. Okay. Is that is it, Are there other examples of that in the world or is it a unique... Like, what's the equivalent in the world? Um, you could say, I mean, this is a bit. What about a Canadian saying I'm North, uh, yeah, North American? No, because can yeah, you could do that, but Canadians like not an ethnic group; it's a nation. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's you. You could don't say, bring for up example, Israel because I have no idea. Yeah, about that's Israel. complex. But you could say, for <laughs> example, um, like a, uh, an Iraqi uh, is Arab. So if someone's parents or grandparents f- were from Iraq. They might not really feel associated with the nation, but they're Arab ethnically. So, so do you find that if someone says, "Oh, you're Iranian," do you find that sort of do you have pushback on it? Not really. Like, I mean, I it depends on why they're saying it. I just say, actually, I'm American because that's my citizenship, mm-hmm. but um, I'm ethnically Persian. Uh-huh. Mm. And is part of the pushback because of uh, you know the Islamic Revolution and all that sort of thing? And yeah, your there's faith? definitely been. Historically, I mean, you know, in 1979, there was an Islamic revolution in Iran. So that uh, because of the Islamic revolution, there was a lot of people killed. Um, But I'm a religious minority in Iran called the Baha'is or Baha'i faith. And a lot of Baha'is were rounded up and killed and persecuted and Mm. continue to be persecuted. So that obviously is a sore spot for many people. And it's not just the Baha'is that were persecuted. A lot of minorities were persecuted and even like people of different political beliefs like communists, um, as well, and so a lot of different minorities were persecuted, but a lot of people like to make the differentiation nowadays because mm-hmm. they might not want to be associated with the Islamic Republic of Iran, so they say they're Persian. Mm-hmm. Fuck, we've had it good here, haven't we? Australia, yeah. like I was thinking yesterday, yeah. I was driving down my, the street I grew up in, just thinking this for my for my entire life, and will probably be for most of my son's life here in Australia. There has been nothing. Mm. Yeah, that we've encountered. I mean, like, there's prejudice, but it's not like no, people getting yeah. shot. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, my grandfather was born in 1909, and so he was he was he was still alive when Einstein was in existence. Yeah, but so like there was some real pivotal times in history that we have not been there for. Yeah, and so we're pretty. It's pretty relaxed. I I have a sense like in Australia, I'm like fuck, is something bad going to happen? Like, are we going to see the a downtime? It feels like it. Mm. Reckon? Yeah. I don't know. I constantly am like... I have a lot of faith in Australia. I, I think it's one of the most amazing countries in the world. I mean, 
What it, could? What's the most likely thing to go oh, wrong? I don't even know. The sad reality, though, is it's all perspective, right? So, like, we're saying, yeah, it's great, nothing's going to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. But then, if you talk to an Aboriginal, they're like, "What, what are you talking about? Yeah. The catastrophe has already happened mm-hmm. and continues mm-hmm. to go on." So, it depends on you know where you're at in society, yeah, as well. So, yeah, true. But I mean, in Iran, it was you know a situation where Baha'is uh, during the time of the Shah, there was some prejudice, and if somebody was maybe a, a fundamentalist What does Muslim. that mean, sorry? The Shah thing? The Shah was the king of Iran. He uh, was the ruler of the nation before, before the, the revolution. Yeah, the Islamic revolution ca- happened and then they kicked the Shah out. But in that time, like, you know, didn't matter really what religion you were. Everybody just went to work, kind of mm. like in Australia. Nobody asks what religion you are. You know, cert- of course, it doesn't mean people are without prejudice. But, um, you know, you imagine like you're going to work every day with your buddies and stuff. Um, and your, your neighbors, you wave to them every day, you, you come home from work, and then the next day suddenly, uh, or in the middle of the night, you know, guys kick down your door with machine guns and then drag you away, mm. and this is the last time you see your kids and your wife, and they don't know whatever happened to you, you've never, you've gone missing, mm. and basically many of them were killed, and it was the neighbors that were like, you know, no, no, it's them, they're Baha'is, you know. So, I mean, and, you know, we've seen this in Rwanda, we've seen this in Nazi Germany, this kind of Mm. thing happens in a lot of places. Um, It's sad that it keeps, it still happens today, and Mm. um, hopefully people can just get over it a little bit and Mm. realize that we're all the same. Are you you much of a news junkie nowadays? Not as much. Were you? Yeah, I used to work for CNN for a bit. And um, I was fake ad- news. I was addicted to <laughs> fake news. It was a very, no, I, it was a different CNN then as well. But yeah. it was very, you know, it was addictive because you didn't want to miss. Yeah. Like you get off your shift and you had to go to your next shift, and you didn't want to miss a beat. What did you do and there? So I did different things. By the time I left, I was a producer for International. Um, was the term fake news actually? Around then, with no, people using it, no, no. no, Trump wasn't in power then. It was. It was also like I. I kind of left when um, CNN got taken over by Time Warner, and so the nature of the work was very different. Also, different departments, mm. like CNN International, which is what you watch in Australia, um, is different to what they watch in the US. In the US, it's CNN Domestic, so it depends on who you're talking to. And there are also news also depends on just who wants to decide what is important. That's one. And then the other thing is whether you can actually get somebody to share information on the ground. Like Sierra Leone, for example, went through a vicious civil war for a long time, but we couldn't get any journalists in there. And the ones who were there were killed. And then how can you report stuff when there's nobody in there to report stuff? So it's a, it's a combination of things. Our mate conspiracy, Jimmy, Says that Anderson Cooper is actually part of the CIA. Have you have you heard about this? No, Anderson Cooper, that. who's that? He's like he's the, a CNN reporter uh-huh. with yeah. white hair, very popular. Yeah, I can um, imagine. I mean, that he's part of the CIA. Known, well, it's known that one of the best, you know, like it's common practice for intelligence agencies to use international aid workers and journalism as a cover. Mm. So, but I'm not saying Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Nissan's always wanted to be a federal agent or something, haven't have you? Have you? No. <laughs> no, I just, almost joined the FBI a lot. Yeah, really? Yeah. So you got to talk about. No, like, we're not what, what, about. what do you mean you nearly joined? I was close. Always, to, I did the training. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got through. I never got in, <laughs> or did I? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, I didn't. Um, but no, it was interesting because they really needed people, and yeah, a friend of mine that I worked with at CNN uh, had a friend at the FBI that was saying they were desperate for people, and you should 
apply and have an interview and stuff. Was the um, East Timor, you spent how long in East Timor? I lived in East Timor for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an interesting time. I, um, yeah. I was Tommy's just the, choking. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. Was it's it East Timor? Is it the about, comment? It's about, yeah. It's about your timing. Yeah. Flashback. How are we for time, guys? I don't no, know. it's absolutely yeah. fine. Okay. Well, Jesus. How are you for time? No, I'm worried. Like, uh, you know. No, we, we have, oh, you want to try that? No, no, I don't. No, I, so the East Timor thing, explain what you were doing there. Um, at the time I was married and my wife had studied uh, international development work and she had studied in London. We were living in the UK and Brighton and we wanted to, she wanted to get like on the ground experience um, and not be in an office job in somewhere like New York or London. So we decided to go to East Timor. I'd been following East Timor quite a bit when I worked at CNN. Um, even though I wasn't covering it, I was very interested in it because it reminded me of Papua New Guinea a lot and it was fascinating what was happening there. So as soon as my wife graduated from her degree, we jumped on a plane and moved to East Timor. We didn't have jobs. Um, we were fortunate enough to, we had a friend who was living at the Baha'i Center there. There was a Baha'i Center. Um, and so we went in and crashed with him and we got jobs within the first month that we, we were there. I created my own program to teach a video production to local Timorese. And we tried to do positive content in the spirit of positivity because there was a lot of negativity going mm-hmm. on. We tried to create short little videos of uh, Timorese, young Timorese that were doing positive things for their, their community and not related to their jobs, just spending all their extra time helping their communities. Mm-hmm. Cool. So how do you get like a grant or how do you even approach that? I mean, it's a lot of like, you know, meeting different people, but a lot of the uh, uh, agencies there really wanted to do positive work. And so um, it was a matter of basically, I kind of looked at the area for a while and I didn't want to just do something. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what the needs were. And I realized <clears throat> media was really lacking and the lack of, media and news and journalism can actually cause revolutions and, and massacres. It's, it can be quite dangerous. Like if everything is Chinese whispers or just hearsay, you could have a lot more violence. And I felt let's try and get something like this done. So I was passionate about it. And I started talking to heads of different not-for-profits there and saying, this is a program I want to do. I want to train uh, young Timorese in creating like videos, but I want the training not to be theoretical. I want us by the end of the program to have made these short videos. That's cool. And so yeah, one, uh, at that time, Plan International um, uh, decided, yeah, this is a great idea and they took it on. What, did, what, did, what kind of cameras are you using over there? That, at that time we used the Sony, what was it? The Z1s? Yeah. Or Z1s. Like Handycam thing. Uh, uh, yeah, that was sort of HDV. Yeah, it was the- So this sort of being what, uh, Mini DV cassettes, 07? yeah. What year? That was- Oh, eight. Yeah. Mm. God, you've lived, a, lived in a few places, haven't you? Yeah, I've lived in, I calculated because I'm applying for Australian citizenship eventually. Um, I've lived in 10 different countries. Wow. And how many countries have you gone to? Have you counted that? 50 to 60. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what point do you st- st- stop, stop counting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a little competition with my sister when I was, I uh, just finished university. My older sister came home one day. We were like having breakfast and she was like, how many countries have you been to? And I was like, I don't know. We both started counting and she's like, oh. And then she comes home from work with a map, two maps. Mm. And she's like, right. She puts a map on her wall and then one on my wall. And she gives me a little box of pins. And she's like, put a pin in every single uh, city and country you've been to. And the rule That's is cool. you can't just have been through the airport. Like you yeah, have to right. spend a few hours, left the airport, 
gone and had a meal, talked to yeah, people, yeah. seen the streets or whatever. So yeah, so that was a long time ago though. But I think right now it's probably fifty to sixty. Having a meal whenever we're traveling and eating, nice, like a bit of like a bit of a drama queen, don't you think? Was I? Just when it comes to food, just like even before you were concerned because you're like, I need to eat something. Yeah, before. I, was, I get really like I was just my blood was dropping. I was like, oh my god, I need to eat. What do you eat? Um, I had one of those little from the grocery store, one of those little pizza. Little cheese things. and bacon. Oh, yeah. You, you saw a guy eating you. one of those walking across the road the other day, remember? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I was like, what's the deal with that? from far away. But yeah, <laughs> Nathan has gone up to a McDonald's employee and complained about his dry quarter pounder. Do you remember that in Barcelona? I went three times. Yeah. <laughs> but it was bad. I mean, it was, yeah, I was hangry at the time. I was yeah, yeah. so hungry and angry. But it was ridiculous. It was like eating this. Um, it wasn't this even dry. Time. It was like eating wood. <laughs> it was like this has got to be Asian a stuff, But this normally, system in place. Naysam will end up at every fucking kitchen. If we go to a restaurant, before you know it, he's in with the chefs talking to them. <laughs> Why? Is this something you identify? Cooking. Do you really? Identify? You want to keep it on the flame that long? No. Do you, no, no. I do, do you, like cooking. Are you agreeing with cooking. what Josh what, says? Yeah. What do you think? Like, why do you think that is? You mean I'm friends with them? Yeah. Well, you just yeah. I love yeah, and I I think sometimes we go to restaurants and we just like eat and walk out, and I like to thank them and let them know because you always see the staff that you work mm. with, but you don't always see the guys in the kitchen putting stuff together. So I generally try and say thank you, goodbye. What's that face, Josh? Oh, it's just a funny. Funny concept. <laughs> and also, everyone. we go to this Afghani restaurant here sometimes, Persian flavors. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the guy's lovely. Spring and I Valor remember Road. going from the beginning when him and his wife were there and working really hard and they expanded. And I just always wanted to thank them and say hi. And It's know, nice. It's, not, yeah. it's cool to, um, just being a nice guy, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's strange. <laughs> just being personable really. and stepping uh, outside yeah, your comfort zone. It's, it's pretty next level. <laughs> don't you agree? It's pretty. I like don't it, think you so. stand I don't out, it stands out. Well, I'm not doing it to try and stand out. I just yeah, thought I mean, the you spirit of encouragement. It's not something that you'd find the guy who's awkward about the handshakes doing. Mm, no, absolutely he's not, not in the I'll be No, out he's the out the door. I'll be out the front. <laughs> he's in the car. But I'm interested. <laughs> when I, when Nason comes out, I go, so what was their story? What was their deal? Yeah, yeah. I give him the whole lowdown. Yeah. Yeah. So I he find finds out. it really interesting. But I just yeah. don't want to have to necessarily <laughs> have the interaction. But we have here, uh, it says eggplant meal. On it. Yeah, we got uh, these cans in front of us. You guys went down to so, Coles, was it? You no, we didn't go. No, no, I got no, this no, no. from a Persian grocery store ah. in Sydney. So you brought, brought during our travels, one of the things we tried, uh, Josh tried as well, was Persian food, which um, it's starting to get more and more popular here. You start to find restaurants. Um, and one of Josh's favorite things on the menu is called Kashke Badimjun, which is this type of eggplant uh, dish. It's not the same as Baba Ganoush. Baba Ganoush is common in a lot of uh, Arab countries and in Israel. What is the difference? This has got, uh, it uses this kind of cheese curd to flavor it and um, has fried onion in it as well. Yeah. And different places make it in different ways. We've had some places which were uh, an Italian restaurant owned by Persians. It was called Giuseppe's, I think. Yes, and their kebab and Persian food was phenomenal. Mm. It was outside of LA. Yeah. There's Um, a Persian kebab called Kubida, which is... They mince. take like mince and they put onion all in it. Yeah, Nasan's got yeah. IBS. He shouldn't be eating any well, of this. Well, you said to stuff. me before we started, I can't eat this. 
Why? Why? I thought you said I can't eat this. No, I didn't say that at oh, all. Oh. I just, I've never eaten it before. So I've ah. never eaten it from a can. And okay. I was in a Persian grocery store in Sydney with my younger sister, and I saw this, and I was like, oh, my God, Josh. Yeah. Because he loves it. So I was like, I got to get, get this So you've come from Sydney. You've had to lug this around. I've lugged this He's around. You've lugged so many dumb things. What about <laughs> oh the... What about the Papua New Guinea and uh, the arrows. The arrows. Don't bring, don't bring up the arrows. No, please. From you. Go. I carried these arrows from villages that I got. Like arrows. Like, like actual arrows. Bow and arrows. Guinean arrows are the length of this table. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they're bamboo really? and they're intricate. Like the head of the arrow is this long and they're carved yeah. and yeah. painted. And the paint isn't like dipping it in paint. It's like through flowers and stuff. Beautiful arrows. I carried these around the world for like 10 years every time I moved and I would display them on my wall, like I would fan them. Mm. And I remember f- like losing them somehow and yeah. not knowing where they were until one day I was visiting my grandma in Oklahoma. She lives in Oklahoma. And she's like, Nason, you left this tube thing here once. <laughs> and I was like, what? My arrows. <laughs> and they're in this tube that I had made. I couldn't find a proper pipe or tube. So I'd like put all this cardboard together and made this awesome hardcore tube. I take this, I'm still traveling, go around the world with this thing, come back to Australia, a domestic flight. I land in Sydney. My flight from Sydney to Melbourne, I took uh, Tiger Tiger. Air. I never fly them anymore. Um, They really disappointed me, Tiger Air, if you're listening. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, Um, he's a big listener. And I kept telling them, guys, like, I want to take this on the plane with me. They didn't know what I was like. It's artifacts. They're like, no, no, it's going to be fine. Like, put it in fragile. We'll take care of it. They don't, like, throw it in. You'll even watch. So I go to the plane. (laughs) They take it from me, hand it down to the guy. Mm. Like, see, we're doing a good job. They put it in this, like, hangar. We land in Melbourne. I'm standing at the conveyor belt. And this flat pancake <laughs> tube comes out with tire marks all over it around the conveyor belt. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I wrote to them and they're like, um, no, like, read the disclaimer. And by the way, why were you taking arrows on a flight? You know, uh, like, yeah. real, real. So the arrows know, broke. The arrows were all kind of because it's bamboo. They were flattened. So it's tons <laughs> of fibers. So it's really hard to fix. I still have them. So on. we have yeah. this. Yeah, we can eat this. Jun- so do you reckon I uh, shake it? No. The thing that I we need a plate though. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, put it on the ninety seven. Where is he going to get a plate from? He knows where to get uh, a plate from. Oh great. The um, interesting thing about this is it actually says uh, that it's uh, it was manufactured in Iran. Yeah. yeah. Which I believe that there are trade. Restrictions, embargoes. embargoes. With Australia? I think so. Oh, I don't know. I'm well, not maybe sure. not. Ingredients, eggplant, garlic, mint, soya oil, salt, turmeric. Oh, no onion? Yeah, doesn't say that. Onion. Onion. Oh, I thought, did you not well, that's the, uh, that's the English it's Amazing that ingredients. English on there. Um, and then What's there's that? no sugar. That's what I'm, I'm pumped about. Oh, you're doing sugar. no sugar. Oh, I'm trying not that's to. That's why you look I'm, I'm being, thanks, mate. I'm being <laughs> naughty eating this bread. Today, yeah. but it's flatbread. It's, it's, it's flat squished bread. bread. It's not so as, yeah. So we'll wait. <laughs> so we have two types. Yeah, so why did you get two types? Nice. Just because I saw this and she had just made it and it was hot and fresh. And I was like, that looks amazing. Yeah. And this is what's called pocketless pita, which means like this pita, you tear apart and you can open it. Uh, That's yeah. what they put falafel or shawarma in. Yeah, yeah. And this one is pocketless. You tear it, but there's no Thanks, space. Mr. 97. Okay, so we'll open this up. 
We'll just do we'll one. We'll do one. Pan. I brought just, just in, in case. case it's really good. I'm not sure if it's good or not. It could be a, yeah. Yeah. a nice wet <laughs> so plate. I'm yeah, just gonna, let's try and okay, not get this. Always about a wet plate. Road, better not get it, all Here, you do it, Nathan. Here we go. We don't want it near the roadcaster. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> one job. The, one so job. He's pulled he's, the pin off. It's come can all you, the way from Iran, so I guess that's. Can you the, get a um, a knife, a fork, or something? Should we do this one there? instead? No, 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 no. 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 We'll keep this one going. So what's <laughs> happened is we've got got one of those like cat food clip tuna things. The amount of times I've had this happen to me, it's dumb design. It's ridiculous. And there's it's probably too given. It's don't even try. Can I try and smell it at least? Yes. Let's have a look. Yeah, so um, in that. Josh loves to smell things. Oh, I can smell oh, it. It's I get it. it smells good. Should we warm it up a little bit or no? I think that's not a bad idea, but don't do it in the can. <laughs> yeah, it was that. Um, all, right, all right, do you want me to? Oh, get this is oh wow. Oh, that's all fuck. good. Don't even. Uh, oh, that's a, you're that's a loose good. unit. I'm all good. <laughs> I'm like, should we get under the table? Canned food, for some reason, sort of scares me a little bit. Dude, I was looking at some canned okay, spam. Okay, careful because there's a lot of oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't all spam canned? <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, this looks good. What's at the bottom? Oh, that's the... Um, so the it's camping. eggplant that's been mashed up, obviously. Okay. Let's, um, let's try some. Do you want pocketless, Peter? Or? Uh, we'll go pocketless, I guess. Pocket or pocket. whatever's open. This, this open. one's Let's pocket. do this one. Okay. What's your mic technique, Nathan? Yum. Sorry. That's okay. All right. A little bread for you. So here we go. Thank you. Yeah, so you, you can... Yeah, no, I don't. It's okay. You can watch You're us. not going to try it? No, it's okay. What? I'm fine. No, you must. No, I I'm okay. I really insist. Okay. That was, was a, that was a cut off. It was perfect. <laughs> was very, really well done. Good. Really well done. I, think it was yeah. bit, I really wanted it. I think it was a bit panto. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. 97, you can <laughs> come and try it as you well. you doing it. It'd be hilarious. There you go. Have a, uh, have a little dip in there. <laughs> this reminds me of, do you remember um, Good Morning Australia where they had, <laughs> what's his name? Remember there was the guy who was um, yeah, you gotta actually Bert Newton's assistant? Yeah, oil. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah, I've put some. Do this, do this. Use it for, all right. Go like this. Who's it? Okay. So, I mean, this isn't, this is a Tuesday, not Fat Fridays, but it's okay. We're, um, let's have a taste. It's not what I thought, but it's all right. Heat it up would be better. Out of 10? Six? It's very. For, in, in comparison to the other ones you've had? No, nah, it's like. Two? I don't think it compares. Like three, maybe. Right. Do you reckon? So, does your <laughs> mum make this, Nathan? Yes. Yeah. Is this like a? I wonder what the equivalent Australian dish is. So, just a white boy that's grown up in Australia. What, um, what do you think that is? Pie, meat pie, meat pie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, toasted sandwiches, toasties. How would this be a? I'm just trying to think about something from yeah, my childhood that makes that me we... think about. Nothing's cultural for Australians. What about it's like the, the you know the things with? Well, the people don't eat this as a meal. This is it's like usually just had as. Can like I have a some more bread, please? Here, oh, thank you. Uh, that's one thing. Like Nissan is used to looking after me. Don't you feel? I'm like? a feeder. Apparently, I never knew that term until Bree uh, said it. Yeah, when I she was on, like you know on a diet, and you were just trying to <laughs> slam her with food. Can't help myself. But um, uh, what, can you talk about what your mum does? You're allowed to. So no? how you cook? CIA. No, 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 no. What you does oh. work? CIA. It's inter interesting. She's CIA, isn't she? Uh, so my no, my mom worked. I mean, she's retired now, but she worked for a um, not-for-profit which worked with the Australian government in uh, helping refugees that have come through the system get placed into their homes. And my mom lives in Canberra, so they would. She would, you know, get assigned like X number of refugee families or individuals, depending. And then she would work with them and everything from help, you know, finding an apartment for them, 
making sure wow. there was a fridge and an oven and everything was uh, ready for them to come in. And then she would come. So like, let's say a family came from Sudan and there was like a husband, wife and three kids. She'd make sure that they were enrolled in their English classes. They were getting all the things they needed. They were, if they had uh, suffered trauma, they were getting, you know, therapy for that. And so it was all kind of like a liaison for that family to, to work with them. Everything from picking them up from the airport wow. to uh, putting, you know, giving them the keys to their home or apartment. And, and so she's an interpreter. And now she's, a, yeah, and she's also an interpreter. She was a certified interpreter. So she would... Um, she goes to like Nauru and she... She would go separate to her job. She would go, to, you know, take time off and then go to Nauru or Manus Island or Darwin oh, wow. and, and work as an interpreter for the Persians that would come. Yeah. So basically people from Iran yeah. would... How how did they... How did they get, that's Arrived. a very controversial topic too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, there's a lot of uh, controversy in it. But well, basically, as to how they got here. Yeah, because you know, there's the the refugees my mom worked with through the um, agency was all people that had come through the United Nations and through what's generally considered legal mm-hmm. means. Um, but then the ones that would come uh, into Nauru and um, Manus and Darwin. In other areas are what is often considered in Australia as illegal means. So they would get on boats from Indonesia and come. Yeah. You know, it's sad because many of them died and they were smuggled basically, like mm. through smugglers. Isn't there um, that whole thing where it's like it's a controversial topic because and it's a very complex topic because it's. I remember as a kid being in SRC and going to a state SRC conference, SRC? student representative council, okay. and they were saying that it's not illegal to seek asylum. Right. So, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's not a term I'm coming yeah, up yeah. with. It's something that is so controversial. Like it's in the news So how, lot, how so. did the, the unconventional people get here? So many of them come on uh, flights from Iran to Malaysia mm-hmm. and then they, go, they make their way from Malaysia to Indonesia and then they go mm. uh, to some, you know, coastal towns and then... Uh, they fill up a boat and basically as many people as possible get on the boat and then make their way to Australian waters. Mm-hmm. And then they would actually give them, the p- captain of the ship, they would give him a, it was usually like a fisherman from Indonesia yeah. who had a boat, but they would choose the worst boats because they knew that once it was confiscated, the boat is gone. Be They're not going to choose an expensive boat. So it was usually a boat that was falling mm-hmm. apart and they would give them a satellite radio. So as soon as they hit Australian waters, they would often call the Coast Guard uh, to, um, to just them. come and get them yeah. because it's they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, And it's a very, you know, you, you don't realize my mom has gone in with the control center and she was like, you know, it's really like finding a needle in a haystack. Like all, when something like that, when they get a call, all boats have to turn to try and find this. Yeah. This little ship. So there's a lot of resources um, that a lot of resources that go into, and they can yeah. spend all night trying to find it's literally this little dot, and you don't know like maybe it's sunk, maybe it hasn't, maybe it's it's mm. quite yeah. It's yeah, it's hard because you the per, the people on the boat, what they're doing they wouldn't be doing if they had another option, and so it's so hard. For well, Nissan no has interesting. Like I feel like you've got an interesting perspective because I feel like I s- say that shit and then. You sort of like, ah, oh, a lot of these people are criminals. Yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's my perspective, but I mean, it's, there's always a mixed bag of mm. types of people that are, you know, seeking refugee status. I mean, um, 
you know, there's, there's, there's one, you know, you, you're, you're fleeing persecution obviously is okay. the main one. And then there's also people that are just like, they want a better life or, you know, for their kids, maybe they weren't being persecuted, but they feel they live in a society that, uh, they don't agree with, or, you know, they might not be chased by the government, mm. you know, soldiers or whatever, but they just don't agree with it, or they just want a better life for their children. But then there are, you know, it is often, and I mean, this is, you know, I'm going to say this, but then people might get upset with this, but there are criminal elements involved as well, like where somebody might have murdered somebody and then they need to get away yeah. fast and then they go through these mm. methods to get away. So there's a, it's a mixed bag, you know, there's mm. always different types of people, which is also why it's hard for countries to try and process them because they have to do interviews and figure out mm. like, is this person's story legit or not? Is this person a criminal? Could they be running from a crime they committed and it's hard because it's hard to deal with if the person let's say is genuinely seeking political assignment asylum and their life is on the line you can't ask the country that they've left is this guy a criminal they'll be like yes of course he is you know mm -hmm. like he's killed somebody or something so it's kind of it's a very difficult difficult situation for all involved if you were a producer at cnn uh, oh no you based on your experience of being yeah. a producer at cnn what do you think the news here in Australia, how do you think they're selling this? I mean, it obviously depends on the channel and stuff. I have to say I'm a huge fan of uh, SBS. I think yeah. SBS is one of the best uh, government channels I've ever seen in my life. I think it's phenomenal. I love their their take on things. And, of course, their news takes stories from different uh, news agencies. And I love the fact that they show international films. They have this mm. global uh, perspective and I think <laughs> international for Tommy's watched a lot of the SBS international uh, yeah. late night ones yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do show some great films I know why I know what Josh is referring the to the breath it's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of the French films guys. Yeah. <laughs> but remember like growing up that was yeah. a big SBS flicking it across on SBS you would commonly see naked yeah a bit of nudity yes yeah. yes there's a lot of that in certain cinemas yeah, French, the cinema. European, Europeans. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, really? Never. Heard of yeah. Yeah. No, but um, I think I think what's important about news is to show as many different perspectives, mm. and um, I think that's always tricky because you have limited time, mm. and a society as well. We've gone less and less into in thing looking at things in depth. We want just instant. Give us a thirty second, one minute spiel, mm. and then we're we're okay, like we, we know about the situation mm. in Syria or we know about the refugee crisis and such mm. and such. And yeah. We don't have, yeah, the headline mentality. We don't have as much in-depth uh, reporting anymore, um, unfortunately. As someone who has spent a lot of time in Australia but not born here, is Australians, are Australians as racist as we think they might be? <laughs> what's, your, I, what's your vibe? I think... I mean, obviously, it depends on a person's uh, experience. Like, I, mm -hmm. with my look, someone else, like, who looks, you know, maybe a Sudanese might have a different experience and a Vietnamese, mm -hmm. and it depends who you're running into. Flying Generally, I will say that uh, when I lived in Papua New Guinea in school, the people we always got into fights with and that were the kids that were racist were always Australian. We yeah. always had problems with Australian to the point that I thought I would never live in Australia. Mm. But now that I live here, and, it's, and I'm sure, you know, culture and society changes. And I had passed through Australia many times and experienced racism, not to myself, but to others, like I would see on the street. 
um, this is like going back years, like, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But I think in the last 10 years, at least since I've, I've been in Australia 10 years, I feel like Australia is pretty awesome. Mm. At least my experiences have been great. And I feel people, Australians are very, um, honest about things. I think there's certain things that they say here that, for example, if they're in the U S people would say that's racist, Mm. but there's a, it's sort of innocence often about the racism sometimes. Like I've had people say like, you know, um, yeah, you don't mind me asking like, what is your look or whatever, you know, like things like that where and fucking un- good looking. <laughs> no, exactly. like that's what other it is. places or that's a strange name. What do you mean? And you know, like other people mean like, what do you mean? Strange. Your name is strange. You know, yeah, why is yeah. your name the standard? Not mine, you know? And yeah. there's a lot of ways you can look at stuff, but I think you can tell someone's attitude and in, in the way they ask and not trying to be, you know, mm. try, not trying to take a stab at you. So I don't know. I, I've really had a great experience in Australia and I really love it. And there have been times where I've gone into a shop and, you know, I wasn't, you know, the vibe wasn't the best from the person uh, helping me until I start talking and they hear I have an American yeah. accent. And then they're like, Ooh, oh, you're Amer- from the States? America. You're American? Yeah, yeah. And it changes everything suddenly. And it's yeah. like, what do you, you know? But, you know, I was like, oh, why didn't you come and ask if I needed help? I've been in the shop for like 15 minutes. Yeah. You know? Bias. Unconscious bias. Yeah. Is the, um, the, the traveling, I feel like when we were at airports we would joke that uh, you were sort of, you know, post 9-11, people would sometimes give us extra looks. Do you actually feel that? Like, I know we joke about that. No, no. Actually, I have never had issues with with that anywhere. Uh Yeah, I've never had issues with that at all, surprisingly. But, like, when we were in London, we landed from Pakistan in London and Josh had grown a beard. I've seen Um, a really sick beard. Dodgy. And... um, you know, I, I was like sure that I might get hassled or Josh was kind of like, let's go in separate lines or whatever. The problem with the beard and was he looked like someone that could have fled Australia <laughs> and he's trying to blend in. That was the problem yeah. with it. It was huge. It did, yeah, it was quite it a severe neck beard. In London, like I was just kind of let through. Like the guy asked me like, oh, how long are you here for? I was like four days. He's like, okay. And then I, I'm waiting and waiting and I look and Josh has got these five federal agents around him. Is this the question again? The ball no, time? This was, uh, no, they, the federal police just interviewed me and then yeah. when I went to the US, that was when the secondary screenings started. Started, yeah. yeah. And there's something like a number of times you have to travel before it gets taken mm-hmm. off. It was like seven yeah. domestic flights, I think, until yeah. it went off. As someone who's uh, religious, uh, what's the Australian sort of sp- spin on faith when you tell Religion? someone you're Baha'i. Yeah. That's a good say, I could imagine they say, what the bloody hell's that? Yeah. Um, it's you're Baha'i. You're Baha'i, yeah. You're bi. Well, I hadn't heard of Baha'i mm-hmm. until yeah. I met Josh. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. Like I think Australians, I mean, generally my experience with Australians are that they're not religious um, and there's a little bit of, there's, probably more of my experiences with people just in passing, not like once you get to know someone and you talk about it, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. I think Australians find it interesting in a kind of matter of fact way and information way. But often in passing, there is often this kind of condescending, <laughs> oh, you're religious, oh, you, you've been had, you poor thing, yeah. kind of like there's a little bit of that kind of prejudice, I think, in that way or 
uh, feel sorry for you way of religion in general, which is also understandable. Religion has caused a lot of uh, disunity and problems and conflict, and I completely understand that. But um, I think fortunately people who have heard of Baha'i look at it in quite positive light. So I've been fortunate when I come across people, oh, Baha'is, I know about that or whatever. And, you know, there's a temple I went to in India that's a Baha'i temple, Mm. different things. So um, it's been positive generally, but I personally love talking about like the meaning of life and religion. And I don't really mind it. I had one person though ask me about Baha'i and then I started explaining and they're like, okay, listen, like you don't need to preach to me. And I was like, you just asked me. I think they were just super paranoid in Australia, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, But it was more like, I think they were just, did you take the pamphlet back off? No, it was, was, wow. We've never had someone. um, I mean, if I was to ask someone what, what a religion is or as in what is that religion? It's a complex question. It yeah. probably needs a, com- a you, long form conversation. You do hear a lot of people saying, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, you know? So and you reckon that's a cop out? No, no, <laughs> no, I think it's good. Like, I, I get it. I mean, religion for me is just a way to organize spirituality. Mm. It's like a system. Why do you it's say like Baha'i faith rather than Baha'i religion? That's a good question. I mean, we consider it a, a religion, um, but it's also basically... It's a faith. It's something you believe in. It's not necessarily, um, you know, I guess like all religion, you could say it's a way of life, but something the Baha'i community is very aware of. And and this is changing also as, you know, the Baha'i faith is very personal, but then it's also very organized. And um, there's, you know, like there's one Baha'i. So if like you're a Baha'i in Uganda and you're a Baha'i in Chicago and you're a Baha'i in Australia, you pretty much believe in the same thing, except there's a lot of room for your interpretation of mm. things and how your your culture and your circumstances are obviously going to influence that. And Baha'is, I think, are uh, very careful and getting better at this never to say, like, Baha'is believe X, Y, and Z. They often say, like, my understanding of the Baha'i faith is such and such. And that's, I think, an important nuance because... Mm. We, we can't assume to understand. We have a lot of scripture. We have over 100 volumes of scripture, and we're still trying to figure it out. And I might read a paragraph from some of our scripture and take it a certain way, and I might read it a week later and get something else out of it, mm. um, depending on my experiences. So we're, it's, we're careful not to be too prescriptive as well. It's this kind of balance of being, you know, one religion, one faith, but also realizing that everyone has their own journey. And just on that, the one mm. one thing that's important is Baha'is are not allowed to proselytize. Um, we believe that religion is a very personal thing. Mm. People have to find their own path to God. If they want that, or even if they don't want it, then don't believe in anything. We're not supposed to force anyone to believe in anything. It's a very personal thing. Um, and I think that also, but at the same time, that depends on someone's background. Like someone who might come from an evangelical background in the U.S. who might be used to that and enthusiastic and excited about being a Baha'i might be a little bit like, hey, have you heard of this? And da da da, yeah, and yeah. push it a lot. So it just, it just depends. Have you ever called out a Baha'i being like, man, stop evangelizing? Yes, I have. Really? Yeah. What did they say? No, they got, I mean, I think it's about using wisdom as well and trying to read the audience or the person you're meeting with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it usually comes from a good place. Like people are excited about something and, 
you know, we're encouraged to teach the Baha'i faith, but that's very different to proselytizing it. Yeah. Mm. I can imagine Josh being an excitable Baha'i guy. <laughs> yeah. Really, get, really getting Josh into gets it. into everything. Yeah. yeah. The joke was, like, so many Invado peeps like, mate, you're going to come back Baha'i, guaranteed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the truth. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. I remember Selena and that being like, you're behind yet? Because I would go to all this, I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. I don't need to be like, for you don't me. You have to be something. I, yeah, I don't see it as like a lot of the things that the Baha'i faith sort of believe in mm. are universal values or mm. virtues. Like the people like Fouad, who is um, a Collis's dad, is like one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he's Baha'i. So I look at all these people, I'm like, yeah. oh, all my friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Baha'i and they're like nice people. Well, it's just, yeah, same with Christianity. Yeah. The, all religion. Like a lot of them, if you're into self-help, you hear a lot of the messages that Tony Robbins or all these people yeah. are actually saying in very old scripture that yeah. was written hundreds and Deepak hundreds. Deepak Chopra years. always says yeah. like, it's not me, this is from Hinduism and this is, you know, like yeah. it's all it's all coming from, at least I believe, a divine source and then we retranslate mm. it into other ways for us to digest and understand. And I'm about. reading a Deepak Chopra book at the moment, small little one. Oh, it's cool. The Seven Spiritual Truths. Truths, yeah. yeah. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, I mean, I'd, love, I'd love to dive into it. but The book or that topic? Baha'i, like <laughs> oh, okay, to understand yeah. it more, but I, yeah. I get it. It's, it's interesting then because if you're not to proselytize, is that the yeah, word? Yeah, yeah. How teach. do you get into it? So, How does someone like... Just go like because it's almost like the intrigue. I'm now more intrigued that you don't want to sort they're of. They're nagging you. They're nagging me. Oh, that's the, <laughs> yeah, is, that's the hook. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. How can I find we're out more? We're just taught yeah, off. You should, yeah. you should <laughs> ask see, me three times. You should see Nason. You should see Nason peacocking. He's like, <laughs> the Baha'i pants. But no, you, how do you explain it? Baha'i. Baha'i? In a sentence. Um, We've got to ask him three the, times. There's a few, I mean, there's a few major principles of the Baha'i faith. We believe in one God, but whatever that is, we don't have a name for God, like you call it whatever in different languages. And um, it's an unknowable essence or something. And some people might call it the love energy or, you know, Muslims say Allah. Do people English, call it the love God. energy? No, but really? I mean, I it just. It sounds like some sort of like yoga instructor who's found the high faith. Love energy does love sound energy a little bit. Yeah. It's tantric. It could, there's there's <laughs> tantric something tantric. beyond the material realm. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a creator. Um, I, I think human beings are fascinating. I don't think this just came. Are you looking at your uh, carpal tunnel? Because <laughs> you're just looking at my head. I mean, human beings are fascinating. I, I think there's obviously design involved. So mm -hmm. that had to come from something. Um, so one God, whatever that may be for you as an individual, like how I envi envision that might be very different to someone else who's a Baha'i. Um, so one God, one world. We believe the earth is one country and mankind are its citizens. So, you know, obviously we have nationalities and these borders, but these are man-made or human-made. We have created more division than there needs to be. We're all members of the same uh, human race, human family, and that we all need to come together. So a paramount a teaching or theme of the Baha'i faith is unity to the point that even the the um, prophet of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah, says if religion is a source of disunity, it's better not to have it at all. Mm. Um, that's how important it is for us. Um, so, you know, one God, 
one religion and also in the sense of, uh, sorry, world unity and one religion where all the religions we feel come from the same source. They come, are inspired by God, whether it's Aboriginal, uh, Indigenous people in Australia or Native Americans, Buddhism, Hinduism. As a Baha'i, I believe in Lord Buddha. I believe in Krishna. I believe in Muhammad, Moses, Christ. We believe that these different messengers of God or manifestations of God have come to humanity at different times and different places and shared something that would help the people of that era, era and time and place uh, live a better life, both spiritually and materialistically or practically. Mm. Um, that's another principle of the faith that science and religion goes hand in hand. We don't think it's this or that. We don't say that it's, we don't, for us, it's not creation, uh, you know, creation, um, or um, like Adam and Eve, or is it the is it just science? Or we, you know, we kind of, you know, you might say it's like milk and tea. You can't separate the two. The two are kind of living coherently. So everything can be explained by science. I was just going to say, if you're using almond milk, it's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mix. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, you got to keep spitting it. Yeah. So those are some of the main principles we uh, believe in: the equality of women and men. Um, there's an analogy that, you know, it's like a bird. Uh, men are one wing, women are the other. Until both are strong, the bird can't fly straight and mm. properly. And we need to, you know, in our religion, in our scripture, if you are a family that has a boy and a girl and you can only afford to send one child to school, you send the girl. Mm. Why? So, because they're the educator of the children. And, and actually now all the science and experience has shown the United Nations, like UNICEF, mm. that's a standard policy in UNICEF now, educating the girl child. So there's mm. a lot of principles like that that we believe in. And How old is it? It's about 100 and it's 167 years old. Wow. Yeah. And as far as you talk about scripture, what is this? Is this a book? What would it be? Yeah, so we is, have... Is it like the Quran? It's the Bible? Yeah, we have actually a number. There's about 100 volumes mm of Baha'i scripture. Um, there is a book of laws, but that's a book of laws. And we have uh, many different tablets and books that talk on many different subjects. And Baha'is generally use all of those in conjunction with each other. You can't just look at like this one thing and then use it in isolation mm. of something else. You have to look at all of it together because also certain tablets may have been written for something very specific. Mm. So has so Baha'u'llah written all of Ahola these? as the prophet, yes. Did we, he write all? He wrote, so he's written a, a huge amount of uh, scripture and then his uh, son was the um, successor in a sense mm -hmm. of uh, Baha'u'llah's revelation and then he hasn't given permission by Baha'u'llah to interpret and expand on a lot of it. Did you ever, when you were younger, move away from the faith? Yeah, I mean, I was, so that's another principle of the faith is that just because you're, I was born into a Baha'i family, but just because you're born into a Baha'i family doesn't mean you're a Baha'i. Like it's something we believe independent investigation of truth for each human being. So even though my parents were Baha'i, it was up to me to find my own path mm. and decide if I want to be a Baha'i or not a Baha'i or something else. Um, I was raised in a very, you know, active Baha'i family. Obviously my parents are going to raise me as a Baha'i with Baha'i principles. But then I um, I went through my own journey. I did a lot of reading. I didn't want to be a Baha'i for a while. I felt I was very much, uh, I, I believed in Che Guevara and revolution, Franz Fanon. I felt there needed to be change. The world was a violent, unjust place in order to, I wanted positive change, but I felt you couldn't have positive change 
through peaceful means. You had to have positive change through force at times because you can't talk to a violent dictator by like being nice and tarofing. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you need to use violence to have revolution. And I quickly, as you read more and study more about history and the world, and you look at you know Gandhi and Martin Luther King and and the you know a Bolshevik revolution, you realize I realize at least that the only true revolution can happen through peaceful means because there needs to be, you know, uh, coherence in what you believe. The ends don't justify the means. Like, mm -hmm. you have to have coherence in how you do things. So for me, it was, you know, a journey of discovery. And I think probably by the time I was 18, I really um, decided for myself, yeah, this is something I really believe in. And, of course, we're all trying to follow. You know, you'll meet a lot of Baha'is that are a whole spectrum. Some are... You're struggling with certain things. Everybody's got their struggles and we're all coming from different walks of life and we're all trying to live according to the revelation of Baha'u'llah or the teachings as best we can, but it's a constant journey. So, How much impact did your dad have on who you are? I think a huge amount mm. of impact. Yeah, both my parents. So he was a doctor? Yeah, my dad was a, a medical doctor. My parents left Chicago. My dad felt he didn't want to be a doctor to be another doctor in the US. There was enough doctors. He wanted to go somewhere that needed more doctors. So they uh, applied to a number of different countries in the world. And Do you know what was on the list? I know Chad was one of the countries. Where the fuck is yeah. Chad? Chad is in Africa. It's a French-speaking country, really? but my parents... Chad sounds like some Californian dude. Yeah, I have a close friend named Chad from the US. What's up, Chad? What's up, Chad? Chad's watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he'll probably listen to this. Chad. Um, no, but I, I think my parents were like... You know, we learn English. We don't have to learn another language. We don't have to learn French. Um, and also the medical school in Papua New Guinea really wanted my dad. And they wrote back. This is in the days of like mail, actual paper yeah. mail. They wrote back to him straight away and said, please come. He went for a two-week visit, came back to the States and told my mom, it's awesome. We're going. That's cool. Were you pissed off? Being a kid who, like, you had this comfy life in uh, Yeah, Chicago. so we went to Papua New Guinea twice. I was two when we went till five. We went back to Chicago when I was five and I was there till I was nine. And then nine, we went, I went, we went back to Papua New Guinea. That was, at the beginning, it was an adventure. It was hard. But then as Papua New Guinea has a lot of challenges, unfortunately, the crime is quite high. And so I experienced a lot of trauma, you could say, and, and experiencing mm -hmm. and witnessing quite brutal violence. So... You know, I, I started to become very like, why did we leave yeah. the suburbs of Chicago? That was quite difficult, yeah. Because you even, when we've Nathan and I have traveled, you like, you've got quirks based on you. Like yeah. my trauma is uh, having dirty glasses, whereas <laughs> uh, Nathan's trauma is like uh, what you you want to like not be on the ground level. You hate being on the ground yeah. level. And it just proves my point, Australia. It's awesome. It's yeah. really safe here. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't had to worry about yeah. much. And so your dad uh, got sick, was in a coma for how long? Yeah, my dad had bypass surgery and the surgery was successful, but we don't know what happened while he was uh, in intensive care afterwards. You know, they keep them under observation after an operation like that. Um, he went into coma. He was in coma for two years oh, wow. um, and then he passed away. Yeah. Mm. And so what was that two years like? That was hard. I, w I came for this, the, I w was away for the first six months. My mm -hmm. older sister came and helped my mom look after my dad. And then the, I came and my sister went back to her husband and, and she was living in Canada at the time. And I came and helped my mom look after my dad. It was hard. I think, you know, it was really hard for my mom. My, my mom and dad were extremely in love. Um, 
it's hard. And my dad was, you know, a really vibrant powerhouse. Like he, he loved life. I mean, when he would eat, like he would really yeah. eat and he would, you know, he would spend Wonder a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he'd spend a lot of time in the jungles and doing medical work and, and men, you know, the people really, really loved him. And so it was, it was hard, I think, to see someone like my dad just laying there on a hospital bed looking asleep. Um, and, and, you know, there's not much, uh, research actually medically even in comas. Mm. So it's, there's a whole mm. wide, the little research that's been done are all so different. So it's hard to tell, um, uh, what state the person is in. So that yeah. was actually very difficult. And, um, you know, you really, my mom was phenomenal and I think it was very hard for her, but she handled it really well. And, um, yeah, it was a. It was an interesting time. It was a very interesting time. What was the personal growth for you? What did you, what did that perspective give you, do you think? Um, I think you really realize that um, you have to do everything you can while you can. You realize that you don't know. You know, my dad went in for this operation that was like a preventative yeah. operation and the operation was fine. I called, I was filming a project um, and I was in Vancouver at the time and I called my mom in the ICU unit um, and she was like, oh yeah, your dad's here, he's fine, the operation went well, he's having soup right now and we had some family uh, visitors um, and everything was fine. But that morning at 3 a.m. my dad went into coma. So you just don't know, like you can think things are fine but then things can turn. So I think for me it really kind of stressed the urgency of really trying to do what you want to do um, as quickly as you can in the sense, because you never like not putting things off, but then also doing what's important, like kind of, you know, choosing the big rocks in the jar. I don't know if you've heard mm. that analogy, like triaging the kind of things you want to do and making sure that you try and accomplish that. Mm -hmm. How are you with teamwork versus individualism? Do you think? Um, that's a hard one for me because on one hand, I really, these people are shit. <laughs> no, I really want to get stuff done and it's always easier sometimes mm -hmm. to just do stuff on your own. It's the, in, in some ways it's like, oh, I'll just do it myself. But then at the other, on the other hand, I feel like it's not always the healthiest thing. You don't grow as much as an individual and the product isn't always as good as it could be. I think you'll see certain solo artists in music, for example, like Prince, for example. I mean, God, he did amazing work, but a lot of bands that the person does the lyrics, the bass, the drums, the guitar, everything kind of, might not be as dynamic and colorful in a sense as it could be if uh, there was a collaboration of musicians coming together. There's a different kind of energy. And I think in a lot of the work we do, whether it's creative or not, I think there's a certain energy that comes from collaboration, which sometimes can be slower and more painful and more difficult because working with people are always hard. Everybody's layered. We're all complex, but... I feel like it's an important thing to do. I think we have to try and it's a good way to make yourself grow. Mm -hmm. I can see why you guys are friends <laughs> or you've stayed friends. What do you, do you have any final questions for Nathan? This is your opportunity to get any other. To be honest, guys, I've been worried about my car park. <laughs> uh, what, what's the, I'm parked in a two hour spot and I'm well oh, over. Really? I was oh, just worried about getting a uh, ticket. Oh, oh my lord. And not. that is a, yeah. <laughs> I have chased parking attendants down the street. Have you? Because they, like, have given me tickets and I still had time. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen no, to you? It was no. unbelievable. Oh, that's bullshit. No, now, this was before, like, now it's all digital, so, yeah. but this is before then, and yeah. I've literally run after them being like, 
What are you doing? We know, we <laughs> know this big, um, <laughs> we know this big muscly bodybuilder, professional bodybuilder, who's a ticket inspector around here, and we I said, felt his abs. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and God. he and he was smiling as as Josh touched them. Anyway, he I said to him, "Oh, do you get blokes like wanting to fight you?" He says, "Nah, guys, leave me alone. It's the girls. They, they scream and yell at me because you know yeah. they like he's not going to do anything." Yeah. And so he just write, writes his ticket. But that's but what do I was they thinking. get a commission? This is what I want to no, know. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, we, we were too scared to ask him anything beyond. <laughs> can, can I touch? Can your you abs? find out, please? Yeah, we definitely will. The um, whatever council it is around, sort of Windsor Way, was Stoddington? Stoddington, yeah, potentially. Beautiful uniforms. Oh, uh, good. Of the uh, uniforms are important. They wear sort of. Um, <laughs> it sounds like I'm describing the UPS guys again. Short but, shorts. Yeah, but it's like a navy short with a yeah. light blue, that's and they professional. have. They have this like long stick that has the uh, chalk. It's so they don't do their backs. Yeah, but it looks like a legit quality. Like yeah. it looks like it's a like m- a wand. Yeah, like a really legit. <laughs> Josh wand. loves uniforms. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, we're in the he states. He's always uniform. checking out fire trucks, UPS delivery trucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. He's like, <laughs> you know, the US they have cool trucks all the time. Yeah, it's they like, do. I always joke that uh, Nathan should have been a secure a mall cop. <laughs> Security, yeah, just a like segue. a little bit, sort of, yeah, just like the pathetic run chasing someone <laughs> is there, yeah. And you, you would just, I feel like you would get fired for too much aggression, like just <laughs> yeah. pinning slam a, the guy yeah. down, slam the old lady yeah, down, pinning a fourteen-year-old kid against the the wall or whatever. Uh, thank you for coming out. We'll have to get you back on. Yeah, thank as you. the Thanks old so mate. Much. Awesome. Old, was it yeah. what you expected? Uh, I did not expect to eat. On camera. De- yeah, demolish it. Oh, okay, yeah. No, we will. Good. I really the love the guys. Off. I really appreciate uh, it. Nice on I'm glad there was some... Su- I, I was worried that it would just be all joking around. Like, yeah. Well, I we, said, got, we covered some very yeah, controversial we and deep topics. Well, yeah. Nissan said to me, but before we uh, came on the show, I said to him, don't mind about ripping into me. He's like, no, I don't really want to. I'd prefer to be positive. I'm like, I'm only saying because I want to fucking rip into you. And if you don't rip into me, <laughs> yeah. I just look like an asshole. <laughs> And which is pretty classic. Is it what you'd hope, Josh? Yeah, it was fun. It's everything. It's, <laughs> and more. it's a daily it's talk show, everyone. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com if you want to send us an email. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. See you Thanks guys. Bye. Me. Bye.